I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. I'm taking my time. All I could talk in is starting to rhyme. I'm letting go lonely, letting go of strife. I just can't get enough of this beautiful life. The Enneagram. It's a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way that we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram is a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I am a philosopher, pastor, and writer in Greeley, Colorado. And with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram Ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. We're talking about creating good stuff today. Creating good stuff. It is our conclusion to talking about health. Yep. And we're going to end with the healthy life, creating all the beauties around us. Yeah. Uh, Now, you and me. Yes. I would not, I do not think it's a stretch to say that you and I are artists and we make our living doing art. Great. Sure. But it's not art in the traditional sense. Yeah, when you say that, you have a certain kind of thing in mind of what that person looks like and what they do for a living. Yep. Neither of us do that thing or look like that person. If you were to describe, if I said, TJ, you're an artist, Yeah. what is your medium? I create space for other art to thrive. Ooh, talk about this because this thing. is my answer. <laughs> yeah, this is actually like like I came to this several years ago that like the thing that I I'm not good at like making fine art. When I look at a blank canvas, all I see is a blank canvas. Like I I don't I'm I'm just no good at that. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. The thing that I am really good at is creating the space for other people's art to be showcased in its best possible light. So I meant like espresso and stuff. Oh, sure, yeah. My first picture of you, I know this, like I went through all my Instagrams the other day because I was like pulling out pictures of my kids. And my first picture of you is you at another coffee shop in town. Uh uh, And you had done some sort of drink where the espresso goes on the top and it kind of like falls slowly. Yeah, sure. Down. Layered latte, yeah. And I just put, Hashtag artist. Great. So I would say that that is me. I, that's a super simple thing. Like that's a, that's a caricature <laughs> in the world of art. Like it looks like it's really fancy, but it's not. The real fancy part of that is having something like that that actually tastes good. Yeah. Because I've incorporated high-quality milk from people who know what they're doing, high-quality espresso from people who know what they're doing, artists in their fields. And I have combined those ingredients into something that you can enjoy in the best possible light. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm an artist. Well, my primary... I describe the the various types of work that I do from pastoral work to my teaching to to these podcasts to... Um, I, I invest in real estate in our town and all of it is about creating spaces where people do like life and enjoy their best selves, connect with their best selves. And I want to create atmospheres for that yeah. where person enters and that's going to be a holy space for them right. um, to have conversations, to have encounters with God, to, to think through 
who they are and where they're going. Love that. Yeah. Making stuff. Yep. So. We make space. So we're talking about creation. Great. And we're talking about art. Here's an art quote. Uh, Oscar, the great Oscar Wilde said, it is art and art only that reveals us to ourselves. It's art and art only that reveals us to ourselves. Now, I think that's an overstatement. You might find out about yourself in other ways aside from art. But it does sound like exactly the kind of thing that Oscar Wilde would say. <laughs> it actually so, yeah, It makes total sense to me. There is something about art that does have a self-revelatory power. Mm -hmm. And what you create can be one of those places where you see who you are. The existentialist tradition says something to the extent of you are what you do. I think that's also an overstatement, but again, hints at a truth there. Mm -hmm. What you're creating may showcase quite a bit about who you are, what you do. Mm -hmm. So creators don't have to necessarily be um, in our in our minds uh, categorized as artists. Mm -hmm. Creators can be obviously musicians, writers, woodworkers, those sorts of artists. But creators can also be auto mechanics. Mm -hmm. They can be dentists. They can be videographers. They can be hairstylists. Um, they can be those who repair things that are broken. Uh, repairing things that are, are broken is, a, is an act of creation. Organizing is an act of creation. Uh, leading other people is an act of creation. Um, and that's just vocationally. Like in our lives, your parenting can be an act of creation. Mm -hmm. you are, you're nurturing this small person as they come along or loving your partner can be an act of creation. You're creating a, a relationship. You're creating a marriage, perhaps. Um, and of course, soul care itself is this act of creation, fashioning your inner life. Um, creating is this essential element of who we are. So when you think about the Enneagram and you think about creation, mm -hmm. are there overlaps in your mind just off the top of your head? I think it's, it's, it's all overlap. Like we're, we're naturally creative beings. Um, and that, like we said, that, that does not necessarily mean that you're a good painter or that you're good at making jewelry or, or a lot of these other like quote unquote creative endeavors. It, it, it means that, that with our lives, with our time, with our energy, like the things that we are doing and the things that we are wired to do are acts of creation. And so finding out with the Enneagram, finding out what, what places we thrive the most, what places that our, our box is keeping us from thriving, like these all feed into how we can create, like what things can we bring? Can I, as a nine, what can I bring to the world that the other types can't? Yep. So that is where we're going today. It's like, what is it I bring to the world that other types are, are not fashioned to bring forth? Right. Can you bring forth in naturally, authentically, and at your best self. And there's something to be said for naming that. If you know that about yourself, this is what I contribute. And I contribute it at a level that no one else can. Or no, no other type can, at least. Uh, or at gold. least nobody else is as good at. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite book on creating is by the great Paul Johnson, who is an English historian. And he wrote a book a few years back called The Creators. And uh, Johnson comes out of the Christian tradition, has a great intro. You don't have to be a Christian to get into this, but I think this is a helpful place for just talking about humanity 
and what comes forth from your life. And Johnson says this, creativity, I believe, is inherent in us all. We are the progeny of Almighty God. God is defined in many ways, all-powerful, all-wise, all-seeing, everlasting, the lawgiver, the ultimate source of life, beauty, justice, and happiness. But most of all, God is the creator. God created the universe and those who inhabit it. And in creating us, God made us in God's own image so that God's personality and capacities, however feebly, are reflected in our minds, bodies, and immortal spirits. So we are, by our nature, creators as well. All of us can and most of us do create in one way or another. We are undoubtedly at our happiest, he says, when creating, however humbly and inconspicuously. There's something about the human being that essential to our makeup is that act of creation. And if you go the theistic road on this and say, hey, we are made in the image of God and God is a creator. And when we, when we create, we are in fact reflecting the image of God. That seems to me to be a great healthy place to go, especially if God is loving good and is moving all things forward towards justice, then our participation in that is a great good. And perhaps that's where we find our best selves. Yeah. So... That's where we're going. Um, big idea for today is if that you know if we're made in the Creator God's image, you and I are made to create. And knowing what you create, what you bring to those around you, what your type is wired to contribute, that's essential not only to your own health and success, but the thriving of the people around you. So the enneagram is often symbolized in a circle. And here we're going to pick a topic, go around the circle, and today we're talking about that. We're talking about how the image of God is unveiled in us when we create. So I'm going to start with a list, and I would love to, to hear your thoughts on just the, the, the list as a whole. Um, this comes from the great Ian Morgan Cron, who, in talking about each of the types, says each of the types reflect a beauty in God that should be named and is exhibited in what they bring to the world. And Kron says, ones reflect or refract the perfecting zeal of God. Twos refract the pursuing love of God. Threes refract the motivating glory of God. Fours, the pathos and appreciation of beauty in God. Fives, the innovative wisdom and insight of God. Sixes, the unfailing loyalty of God. Sevens, the joy and creative spirit of God. Eights, the voice of justice and stability of God. And nines, the peacemaking, reconciling passion of God. There's something about seeing God, and I think this is a helpful metaphor, that God is more like a diamond that, if turned, can be seen in very different ways, and the beauties of God are elicited in these kaleidoscopic ways, as opposed to just singular ways, like God is almighty and that's that's who God is. No, it's like there's like this kaleidoscopic beauty. And if we were to say the beauties of God are seen best and most fully in humanity at its best, this might be one place that we actually engage the Enneagram and engage ourselves mm -hmm. and say, what's the target? What's health look like? Well, maybe health looks like refracting the beauty of God into the world around me in these ways. Mm. Any thoughts on that? Well, the um, I, I feel like if 
if you sat down and you looked at this list, you could see pretty pretty clear through lines from from the sort of basics of each type to what we're talking about. And and I, I think that is is one of the highlights of what is is good about and and like this is sort of surface level, like what is good about the Enneagram if you're if you're only using it for sort of basic stuff, like this is this is something good that you bring, but also seeing ourselves in light of this is a quality of God that we are meant to bring into the world. Um, like the, I get permission to focus less on some of the other things and I can focus more on the things that I'm really good at. So if you're looking for like strengths finders, kind of do what you're better at, this is a good list for you to start working on, but also recognizing that this is a path and also an end goal of becoming a more healthy person. This is something that you uniquely bring to the world and developing these skills will help you get to healthier and healthier places. We have stated this a handful of times before that who you're not isn't interesting. Mm. We who you're not isn't interesting. This is uh, a phrase used by the great Rob Bell in his book, How to Be Here. In that, in that book, he says this. He says, there will always be someone who's smarter than you. There will always be someone with more raw talent than you. There will always be someone who is more experienced and better qualified and harder working and stronger and more articulate and more creative with more stamina, who can sing better than you can. Who you are isn't interesting. You are not given his gift or her gift. You are given your gift. And that, it seems to me, is a stellar um, platform, launching pad for saying, what does it look like for me to be healthy? Mm-hmm. What does it look like for me to be my best self, contribute to the, to the wonderful people around me, to the society that we're all a part of? If I understand that who I'm not doesn't matter, but who I am is actually a treasure it to not only to myself, to God, but to the, to all those around me. If I don't discover that treasure, man, I'm robbing people. I'm robbing everybody else of, of, uh, of my best self. Right. Um, any thoughts on, on that quote? Well, I, I, I think a lot about like, we've talked about this before the, um, particularly Christian women, but Christians in general are, are sort of brought up to think that they're supposed to be like twos. Um, and this is, is really highlighting like the type of sort of self-sacrifice and, and caring and, and, um, compassion exhibited by really good and healthy twos is, is something worthwhile and something to, to like, we should all strive to be more compassionate and more, more giving and, and caring for other people in those ways. But being like a two is not something to work towards if you're not a two. Um, and you have something really valuable and you should be working on your stuff and not trying to be like these other types. When you and I, you'll know this, but when you and I do our conferences, one of the pr- a primary illustration that we use ends up being um, the spectrum of colors. Right. There are apparently seven basic colors that the, you know, the human eye can detect, that the human eye can see. Everything we behold is the light refracted and interpreted as these combination of the seven colors. You take out blue and the entire world is different. 
Uh, so too with music. In the world of music, there are 12 notes that have been discovered, and they move in this endless circle. And in every culture on earth, when musicians compose, they employ these notes, and they actually re- uh, what recognize their relationship to one another. And if you were to take out just one of those notes, you take out B-flat, the world, the, the canon of musical creation is entirely affected mm-hmm. by just the removal of that one note. Mm-hmm. Who you aren't isn't interesting. Who you are and who the people around you are, they are part of the grand symphony that's being played. You are part of these masterworks, masterpieces that you can visually see. And when we are our best selves, we play that note with power into the world around us and it actually makes everything else work. Anyway, there's the theory um, that we're going to use while talking about each of these types pushing into your strengths and uh, just kind of unlocking what are you made to bring into the world for the rest of us. So, you ready to go? Yep. We're going to start with some eights. Great. All right. If eights are the voice for justice and stability of God in our world, uh, what do they bring to the table? What do they create? What is the what's what is the note that they are playing that makes everything else resound in song? Well, we know that eights have no trouble with conflict. Uh, we know that eights have a very, very high sense of who needs to be protected. And so when eights bring their full self to the world, they are able to stand up to power. They're able to um, speak out for justice. They're able to use their considerable strength and skills and, and energy to to enact justice, to to be the ones who call out problems and injustice in the world, to to be the ones that that step in and say, this situation is not right, and we will protect the people who need to be protected. The dynamics Music requires dynamics. Mm-hmm. Uh, artwork, uh, the be- the colors require dynamics. There are some uh, colors that are more bright, mm-hmm. some that are more tame and muted. If everything's bright, it can be overwhelming. Right. And the passion, the drive of the eight is very valuable to the rest of us because of that. Right. It obviously can have missteps. Yeah. But on the best side, on the healthiest side, that... Um, aggressive, we've used the word magnanimity with eights, Mm -hmm. um, that heroic quality of stepping forth and being able able to proclaim with passion, um, justice, goodness, um, and create stability with just their very presence. Mm -hmm. Ah, it's gold. It's gold for the rest of us. Without eights, you don't have D-Day. You don't have people who are abolishing slavery Mm -hmm. and tearing down statues of dictators Mm -hmm. so yeah this this should not stand yeah martin we've said this handful of times it's very likely martin luther king jr is an eight Mm -hmm. and the sense of this is uh justice needs to be done having a radar for that and then stepping forth at cost to himself in order to establish it bang makes the world better and a great example of being able to do that in a way that does not 
require a violent revolution. Yep. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about about times that like there. There's an argument to be had that sometimes violent revolution is is what's necessary to move forward. But King gets to showcase that that kind of like the other side of that that stability aspect of of saying. I know who I am and I know what needs to be done to move us forward. And I will do that without causing violence. Any violence that happens around King is violence being done to him. Yep. And, yep. and it actually serves to highlight the problems. Creative act going there. Create like nonviolence by itself is, is a creative act. You are seeking to expose injustice in very creative ways. Like yeah. you, you see the civil rights movement. It's not just, you know, that's the thing about violence. Violence is always dumb. Mm -hmm. It's, well, I'm going to pick up a weapon and hit the guy back. Whereas nonviolence requires real creativity. Mm -hmm. How do I expose injustice in a culture without inflicting harm? Right. In making, uh, is it's provoking the, uh, aggressor the the unjust person and yet doing it in such a way that the the you know the brokenness is exposed and they are invited to change right and that takes massive creativity anyway artistic move um Riso and Hudson, one of the other lists that we're going to use is from uh, the great book by Riso and Hudson, The Wisdom of the Enneagram in it they put forth a list of examples uh, famous folks who are likely some of these types. And we've said this and we'll say it again, but it's it, it, this is all speculation. It's right. it, This is just kind of as a placeholder so that we can just kind of get our heads around mm -hmm. uh, what might this kind of person look like in our world. And right. some of the examples that they use as famous people are artists. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to just highlight some of the artists that they got, and I don't know if there's anything that's going to strike you on, on these folks, but uh, they got as artists who are likely eights, Norman Mailer, Glenn Close, Sigourney Weaver, Paul Newman, John Wayne. John Wayne. Yeah. I've never seen a John Wayne movie of all things. Have You've you seen? never seen a John no. Wayne movie? And I love cowboy movies. I don't are know how this serious? works. Are you serious? Yeah. I don't think I've even watched any of the, like the early, uh, what's his bucket movies. We need to fix this right yeah. now. <laughs> okay, y'all, we're going to come back to this podcast in 30 minutes. Um, who else do they got? And that's uh, and that's uh, that's it. They got Courtney Love as an eight, and Susan Sarandon, um, actors, actresses, writers. There's personality there, though. Mm. Like you can feel that that yeah. uh, it's not just the aggressive personality. That it's per it's a person that fills the screen in a certain way, right? Um, or whose writing is very direct and bold. Mm -hmm. I suppose Martin Luther King Jr. is an artist in his own way. He's right. an orator, mm -hmm. um, composing. Um, you know, those presentations. Any thoughts on any, any overlap, anything you see there? The only thing I'm thinking about is that uh, I literally don't know any of Courtney Love's art. <laughs> <laughs> and Hole, you haven't heard Hole? There, there are uh, quotation marks around the word art there. Um, but I think that the way that we think about her chaotic, manic energy and yeah. the way that she demands that you pay attention to her yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like that in an unhealthy way is a good example of an eight 
filling her space. Boom. Yeah. Moving to nines. Um, If nines, nines are going to, in the same way, reflect God, but are going to reflect God in a different way. So um, Kron says that nines reflect the peacemaking, reconciling passion of God. What is it that you see nines creating for other people? The word passion really stands out to me there Mm. uh, because nines, we have a tendency to narcotize ourselves so that we don't have to spend our energy. We have such low energy and bringing ourselves to get things done is really difficult. Like we want to keep the peace and blah, blah, blah. But when we come awake, when we fill up with energy and like come out into the world, we bring that kind of, of reconciling energy to a space like it's a drive and it's a we've talked before about how I don't I don't really react to things the same way but like having that passion for intentionally stepping into places where I can be the mediating force that takes passion and energy and drive and like there's something to be brought there that that I can uniquely bring so long as I wake up Mm. yeah it seems to me with the act of creation, what we're all often thinking of is I'm going to take something, I'm going to make it, I'm going to build it up. It's going to be this thing that you can see. And sometimes that's not how creation works. Sometimes a creative act is actually taking something that is broken and putting it back together again, mm-hmm. or even taking something that is broken and making it into something fundamentally new and extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a fantastic uh, piece in the British Art Museum, uh, one British Art Museum that um, there was a civil war a while back in Mozambique and an artist went to the country and when soldiers were dearming, what is that called? Uh, they were throwing down their guns there. Disarming? <laughs> sure. <laughs> there's a there's a word for this. I'm, yeah. I'm missing it. Anyway, when soldiers said, okay, there's a truce, we are actually going to lay down our weapons, this artist took the weapons and constructed them into a huge art piece that was the tree of life. There's like an image oh, yeah. in the last book of the Bible, and it says something like the the nations will feed off of this this tree forever. And, and the artist took those guns and like molded them, shaped them, made them into this ginormous art piece that could be beheld as like these guns used to be used to slaughter others, but now they're used in this beautiful reconciling image of peace and togetherness and harmony. And there's something about that with nines. Mm -hmm. It it strikes me as that might be an illustration of what nines can bring to the table is coming, seeing those things that cause conflict, that divide. And the youth, we've used this term in the past where nines might have a problem with euthanizing themselves. It actually, when that is uh, used on others mm-hmm. to, to bring down the temperature, yeah, it can be a great good, right? You know, um, and so there's the, the two sides of that coin, but the artistic, I come into the space and I move things into a healthy, conflict free setting that could be a, a great creative act, mm-hmm. a reflection of God kind of act. Yeah. Well, and there's, um, there's something to be said for the ability to help others see the other point of view. So sitting in between two 
disparate sides and being able to help them see the other point of view, like that is an act of creation. Uh, like you're creating empathy with that. There it is. Yeah. What are you creating in these yeah. conversations? Yeah. You're creating bridges mm-hmm. for people to come together around. Yeah. We need those sorts of people in our lives being their best selves, realizing their power mm-hmm. and engaging. Um, some artists that Risa and Hudson list are Ringo Starr, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, which doesn't sound right at all. Maybe I'm wrong there. She does not strike me as a nine off the top of my head. Do you know anything about Whoopi Goldberg? Uh, Janet Jackson, Ingrid Bergman, um, George Lucas, which I would, we, it was, well, we may need to tease this for next time. Uh, Walt Disney. I read something about Walt Disney. Walt Disney has more Oscar wins than anyone else. Right. Is the number one winner of Oscars. Right. Ever. Which, um, like, is kind of unfair because he has, like... Create a company. It, it just, it, it's, it's not fair, Disney. <laughs> Go back to your cryogenic tube. There's... <laughs> Beautiful, driven guy. He didn't seem that, that dude. Doesn't seem like a nine either. I suppose that's Tom Hanks playing. Sure, I, him, but yeah, you keep saying these names of like I don't know anything yeah, about these people. In you want to comment on Norman I'm, Rockwell I'm as a nine? Happy to claim Whoopi <laughs> into my nineness, yeah. but I don't know anything about her private life. So, so since we're doing the Star Wars next week, yeah, the great George Lucas. I, it consistently is on the edge for me for nines and ones because okay. it takes a certain kind of personality to say, I'm going to take these movies and add all these new special effects and change the characters a little bit and re-release them mm-hmm. and then have everyone yell and scream and yell and scream. Yeah. And then you don't re-release the old versions. You're just like, nope, that's how it's going to stay. Yeah. Does a nine do that? Here's 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 how I would categorize the difference exhibited there yeah i feel like a, a a real one doing that would come out constantly trying to show why his way is better uh-huh. and a nine yeah would disappear and say i'm 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 not i'm not releasing the old ones i'm gonna just again. go back to skywalker ranch it's just not gonna happen withdraw for control and that's it Okay. That's it. That makes sense. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna prove myself to you. I'm not gonna explain why I did this. I don't owe you anything. Yeah. I'm not releasing the old ones. That you do th- see that as a totally nine thing. That oh, feels yeah. like, like you release the old ones and you avoid the conflict. Unless you are only releasing the old ones because you're being compelled to do so. There's a passive aggressiveness there. Okay. It's like, this is what you want, and I don't want to do it, and I'm going to put my foot down, and I am never going to release them. They're in a vault in my property that literally when I die, you still won't be able to get to them. Yeah. Like, it's just they're gone forever because you were so insistent on doing this thing that I don't want to do. Okay. I could totally see that happening. It's, just, it's a withdrawal for control. Yeah. Move. Okay, I can see that. He ends up uh, 
One of the things about digital characters in general mm-hmm. is he, he doesn't like working with actors. He's like, sure. if I can create digital characters and just yeah. make them do what I want them uh-huh. to do, Easy. no conflict. I don't need yep. to. I'm just going to create the thing. Safe. And make the person. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me laugh. Uh, Audrey Hepburn and uh, I said Norman Rockwell, mm-hmm. Garrison Keeler, all artists yeah. of this sort. Yeah. Um, I do see the Walt Disney side on this in terms of the kinds of movies. Mm-hmm. Lots of orphans mm-hmm. in Disney movies that are finding a home, finding a family. Um, the, that, that reconciling part of Disney I could see is maybe coming forth from sure. that man's heart. Well, I'm looking at um, the history of Disney programs um, you have so much of rewriting stories with tragic endings into something that's happily ever after. Oh, sure. There's that too. Is that a shoot? Remind me of this. Yeah, it's the. I mean, the like these English myths or whatever that <laughs> all the like, kids die at yeah, the end. Yeah, and, and I, these, so many of these stories are just ter- like The Little Mermaid. Yeah, not at all a happy ending. Huh? Hunchback of Notre Dame. Not even a little bit of a happy ending. Yep. Beauty and the Beast. Not a super happy story for children. Like a lot of these stories yeah. are not traditional happy endings. Lion, the Lion King is Hamlet. Exactly. Everybody dies at yep. the end of Hamlet. Yep. <laughs> so many of these that, stories are everyone dies at the end stories. Interesting. And but the he version wants, that we have yeah. from Disney is a happy ending. Happy happily ever after. Yeah. Oh, that's super interesting. I like that. Everyone gets along. The couple gets married. Everything's fine. It's all going to be fine. It's conflict-free now, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, moving to ones. Uh, if ones reflect the perfecting zeal of God, what are they creating for others? So we get uh, order. We get um, improvement. We get... Uh, I like the word quality mm-hmm. uh, because because things can be made better, and so when when ones are bringing their full self, they're making things that are just good, and their 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 energy is being spent on on not making garbage. Um, so so the spaces that they create the 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 way that they teach the the content that they put out in whatever medium that they, they might be quote unquote creating the um, the work that they're doing is high quality work mm. and they're passionate about that like they like it's it's good to make something good yeah and that's part of the zeal the thing that I routinely experience as a as a as a one artist, the people I like work. I like working in a team as a one. Mm-hmm. It can get quite lonely to create things by myself. Well, because one is the loneliest it, number. Yeah, I've I've heard tell. Sorry, <laughs> I, I will hopefully never make that joke again. <laughs> three three dog night so bringing bring the gospel. The uh, there is something about ones can take that big step back and say, well, I'm just going to do this all by myself, mm-hmm. uh, which often is not a healthy move for us. Mm-hmm. It gives us control, and maybe we earn our little space doing things by ourselves. It seems to me, me and my best as an artist, is I'm in a team where I have the position of 
improving other people's stuff. Mm -hmm. So I love working with aggressive numbers who are doing something who just say, hey, well, can you take a look at this? Mm -hmm. That's, that is actually my wheelhouse. I don't have very many atmospheres actually presently where I'm able to do that. But I love coming alongside somebody who has taken the initiative, is moving things forward, and, and I get to say, I think you got an extra 10, 15% here, here, and here mm -hmm. that will take this thing that's already wonderful and just move it to that you know, like really stellar quality side of things mm -hmm. or the editing stuff. I, like, I always think to myself, if I got a chance to do it over again, and you'll see this in quite a few of our podcasts, I would love to go back and study film. Um, sure. Because the editing side of things, the, the, the creating the right shot sort of things, these are things that really get me like um, pumped. But when I, in terms of relationships, in terms of what do you bring to all the other folks, it seems to me what ones do is when they're real healthy are able to say, to identify, I think here's the thing that isn't working. Mm -hmm. And I bet we could do these three things that would move things forward. Right. And do it out of a sense of humility and non-judgmentalism and I'm in this uh, for the other person's sake and that's an act of creation. Right. Anyway, there's this there's this concept within Christianity. It's, it's called sanctification, and lots of people have lots of different things to say about that word. And it's a really complicated word that means lots of different things. But the general gist of it is gradually becoming better. Yeah, and and ones bring that to when they are healthy, when they are or full, when they are bringing their full self, they are able to move everything around them from J to K. Yeah. And, and like, like moving things a little, just making things a little bit better makes everything better. Makes it moving things just a click forward, click yep. forward. That's yep. actually how God works. Um, of all things. So you will know this. Um, I have a, I have a draft of a, of a book called image, mm -hmm. uh, Enneagram in the face of God. Eights, nines, and ones, body types. When the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, the language it uses, the names it uses, are routinely the things that we see here with eights, nines, and ones. Right. The Holy Spirit is a rock. The Holy Spirit is a reconciler, is a peacemaker, is a sanctifier. There is the power of God in our world, uh, the, the presence of God in our hearts, minds that's actively taking us from here to there. That is the Spirit of God, the love of God. And... I would want to suggest body types exhibit that faith tangibly to others. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots to say there and lots, and lots to, you know, uh, buy the book. <laughs> we'll, be out in, we'll be out in 10 years when yeah, someday, somebody cares. Someday, yeah. um, but there, there is something about, uh, I love that image of, of sanctification. Mm -hmm. It's not about just taking every, uh, everything that's broken and throwing it in the fire. Sometimes you take things that are broken and say, well, how do we get, how do we move this thing just a, a slight bit forward mm -hmm. and seeing the next couple steps? Yeah. And one of the things that I think ones need to learn is that it, it's also not about making it exactly perfect right now. Mm -hmm. It's not about moving from J to Z. Yep. Sometimes it's just about moving from J to K and that's the best that you can do. And of all things, notice this is the, if, if God exists and is actually reconciling all things to God's self, 
that is the way God is doing it as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a one-time move. Apparently, this moment matters, and moving things slowly matters. Yep. There may be a judgment, which, you know, you finally trash all the trash, but but for now. That's subject for a different podcast. Thing. For now. <laughs> yeah, right. Sometimes uh, it's just about moving from J to K. So actually, you see this on the artistic side. When, uh, Riso and Hudson's, there's only a couple artists on their list, um, but the ones that are there are kind of interesting. Plato is an artist. Plato is actually a playwright. He's taking... Um, these conversations that he has with his teacher, uh, Socrates, who actually isn't even a, like, he's not an academic professor. Socrates is a stonecutter. And Plato is a young, affluent man who just goes downtown and listens to this guy because he's amazing. Um, And he takes all the conversations that Socrates is having and he makes them into plays. And the dialogues that Plato writes are essentially that. They're plays, they're early plays. Um, George Harrison they list as a as a one. Okay. And I imagine there's something, I have no idea how the Beatles compose, mm-hmm. but I could see like needing that kind of personality in there. Who's mm-hmm. who's like like uh, you know, what Paul and John come with the thing. And if you have the person who just I think we can do this one other thing. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put this good little guitar lick on top. That's, yeah. that's a good person to have. Yeah. Uh, George Will, who's a political writer, um, is a one real eye for justice, real per, uh, not perfectionistic. What am I looking for there? He is idealistic okay. in how he sees how American government should work. George Will famously bailed the, he's a conservative writer, bailed the Republican Party in the last couple of years because this is not for me. Mm. Um, it's moved too far towards populism and away from conservative values. But his writings are actually quite good. Um, in terms of their craft and um, articulating a vision of what's right. Sure. Um, anyway, uh, moving to twos. The two is going to reflect the altruism of God, the pursuing love of God. Uh, what is it that twos create for others? Well, we've, we've automatically got that that sort of like service and and givingness of of twos that's one of the things they bring to the table but but when you get twos that are healthy twos that are are bringing their full self they've done the work you get um you get this kind of automatic and self-sacrificial um I know altruism is such a great word there yeah. because it communicates exactly what this is. It, yeah. It's people who care more about bringing life to others than about receiving it for themselves. The place I see this, and I, I imagine this is on my mind a lot. One, because there's a lot of uh, nurses who are in our church community, mm-hmm. and I see it in them. And then my mom was real sick for years and years and years, and I got a chance to hang with all the ICU f- folks. And yeah. the ability to... Uh, we've talked about this in the past with twos, repress your own needs Mm -hmm. and just move into somebody else's space. Yeah. I find extraordinary. I can't do that. Right. Like I'm just all emotion and just thoroughly aware of myself, I suppose, Mm -hmm. in those sorts of situations. I would be a terrible ICU 
nurse. <laughs> um, but watching folks who are able, like, obviously that's so important mm-hmm. to bringing health to other people, to right. pursuing people who are, you know, covered in crap and just, and, and without thought to oneself, um, cleansing and lifting out of that. Uh, it's just divine yeah, at its best. Yeah. And there's, and there's definitely a point like, this cannot be said enough that the twos need to learn how to take care of themselves. Yep. Um, and that is one of the most important things that, that they can do to become healthy. Mm. But once they do learn that, once they get into places where they, they are taking care of themselves and they know where their boundaries are, they can actually push into other spaces in cleaner and healthier ways. They have more to give when they are taking care of themselves and, and, and being able to help others see what is good and healthy for them in that way. And yeah, there it is. Yeah. And I think that, that like, we talked about this with the holy ideas, like their freedom is, is the thing that they, yeah. that is theirs. And I, th- I think there's, there's such a, such a goodness about when I'm not beholden to other people. And when I'm, when I know who I am, I can freely give myself to others. Yeah. The there's no more powerful person. The the person like in this sense that is emotionally aware mm-hmm. has done the work on themselves to give themselves strength and then that spills over into yeah. the lives of others. Yep. Um I say this all the time but the there is something about our foundation, our core that when it's rotten, you just can't lift anything. If you imagine a, a weightlifter who's going to bend down and going to clean and jerk, you know, a large amount of weight, they're, they're going to lift like 500 pounds over their head and they're going to lift and go down, lift up that weight, put it over their head. If you give them a splinter, they will not be able to, to lift that. And right. It's just a very small thing. Mm-hmm. But there's something about twos who are able to identify the splinter, as it were, able to say, here's the things that need to get shored up, and then I can I can lift the weight. Right. That's uh, such a joy and blessing to be around folks of that sort who mm-hmm. have taken care of themselves, and then it's spilling out. Right. Praiseworthy. Right. Um, the Reese Wynn Huston list Pavarotti as a two. And know nothing about Pavarotti aside from YouTubes that I've seen. Sure. He's a good singer, apparently. Yeah. I got Arsenio Hall. Has Arsenio Hall been? Oh, I don't even know. He's back, though. What is he doing? Isn't he? I don't know. Yeah, he has a stand-up on Netflix right now. Really? I think so. He and Eddie Murphy just decided, I think we're going to come out of our bunker. Yeah. Go do some stuff. Eddie Murphy's kids are grown, so he's Uh, safe now. It might just be the case that Arsenio is like, oh, I ran out of money. I, I rewatched no Delirious the other day. It wasn't as funny as, as it has been in the past, which it's was a first for me. Because a tremendous so, amount of the <laughs> jokes are wildly inappropriate in yeah. our day and age. At the, uh, there, there's, some, there's certainly some of that. Yeah. But you even, also have to watch it in a group. I watched it with my son. I was like, you got to watch ice cream. We're gonna show you, I'm going to show you ice cream. And then I was oh, like, oh, sure. Eh, it just didn't hit. So You're doing it wrong. That may have been it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm screwing the YouTube up, apparently. Yeah. Uh, the best one here is a, a writer. Ann Lander is a two. Mm, who yeah. is it? Dear Abby? No, that's uh, Abby something. Are they, I heard they're, they're like sisters. Are they? I believe something like that. I don't actually know. Maybe I'm wrong. But but 
Yeah, Ann Lander. But she a, does an advice call. Right. So it's like, I'm going to hear yeah. your story, and I'm going to help you in that space. Yep. That makes sense to me. Yep. Uh, brings us to the threes. If threes reflect the motivating glory of God, what do they bring to others? By the way, before moving into this, pitch this to a three this morning. She didn't like that idea. Huh? Motivating glory. She's like, that's way too Tony Robbins. And I'm like, well, Tony Robbins is probably a three. She's like, yeah. I like encourager. <laughs> I was like, well, maybe that'll Tomato, work. tomato here. <laughs> You're just splitting hairs. The encouraging glory of God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is something about... Well, I'll, I'll float the question to you, and then I'll answer it as, as well. But what do threes bring? What do they create for others? Well, there's um, a sense of excellence that threes bring in and of themselves, who they are. This is they, they want to be excellent and they want to be viewed as excellent. And so they, they will model that in the world, but also like that, that motivating sort of encouraging point is, is that, that they want other people to be excellent as well. They, they can see the ways and in, in a similar way as ones can help move other people in towards goodness threes can move other people towards excellence. Like what is the best way to do this? Not necessarily what is the most right way, but what is the best way? Yeah. Like, like threes can shore up others and encourage and, and motivate people to achieve things that, that others might be struggling with. This may be the case with just a lot, all the aggressive numbers, mm -hmm. but there's something about watching threes communicate to people um in inspiring encouraging ways it's just nobody else can do it like that right like it's just so it's not just natural mm -hmm. but that like i could spend a hundred hours thinking through the conversation i'm gonna have with one person trying to get them from here to there in that kind of inspiring way and threes will just do it just naturally yep. off the cuff and, Instantly, and, yeah. and just because that's how they're wired. The thing it strikes me on this is if you're a three, knowing that about yourself and knowing that you bring that to others mm -hmm. is really important. Mm -hmm. You threes obviously can go down the, the rabbit hole of self focus and I'm doing the things in order to get just the attention, mm -hmm. but knowing your best self is surrendering all of that. Cause it's like vanity just isn't, rewarding right. at the end of the day but being committed to the good of others actually just brings out life and joy and color in our world um and threes uniquely it seems to me do that right you know where threes do that in a very unique way mm -hmm. um thoughts on that well i uh thinking about tony robbins like i i would bet money that a vast majority of motivational speakers are threes yeah and that that whole industry is built off of this idea and it is a thriving industry yep. because this is something that people are looking for yep so I, I think I've probably said this, but I work out and occasionally will flip to, there's a YouTube channel that I go to that has these sorts of teachings. Mm -hmm. I'm positive everybody on there. I've, I've said this before, sure. but uh, I love listening to Arnold Schwarzenegger on this right. front. The Rock is a three and he puts out stuff. Sure. 
man, I was crushed and failing. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I hear threes. A l- well, you'll. T- I mean, there's the reframing side of threes right. of here's my failures and mm-hmm. let me elevate that so that you can see how great I am getting out of that. Right. But that can be real powerful right. to somebody who's in that space. Yeah. Anyway, those sorts of. I think Denzel Washington may be, might be there. There's a great Denzel Washington uh, inspirational video out there. If you uh, he gives a teaching. I'm positive it, it is. He does something, uh, his big thing, the big line in, in it, I'm sure it was from like a graduation speech, but he is talking about his failures and mm-hmm. how many people rejected him and mm-hmm. how many times he didn't get the call back. Yeah. And he's talking about working harder and busting it. And his big line was, the game isn't over mm-hmm. until I win. But he then gives that to the audience. Sure. He's like, this is your story. You're the one who's going to bust. You're going to do that. And the game isn't over until you win, you know, and just, ah, like I'm sitting there, you know, on an elliptical going, damn right. (laughs) 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 Fires me up. Okay. So, um, (laughs) threes. Elvis is a three. Sure. Uh, Paul McCartney, they have listed as a three. They yeah. have Sting as a three. Oh. F. Scott Fitzgerald. I never read uh, Great Gatsby. You should. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. I mean, if you. I've never seen the movie, so I have no idea how the movie stacks up. But kay. I really liked the book. And the book is great. Yeah. It's, it's the Great Gatsby. Um, there is something about the uh, aggressive attention seeker mm-hmm. who I imagine there's all sorts of artists who are uh, actors. I'm sure Tom Cruise is a three kind of person. Yeah, sure. Um, It's that I am just putting myself out there and I want to feel successful. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but when that's used in a creative way, there. Brings us to fours. Cool. If uh, fours reflect the pathos and appreciation of beauty of God, Mm -hmm. what do they create for other people? Um, well, the, they get to highlight that everything has meaning and everything has value. And, um, there is, I I mentioned this at the beginning that, that like, I'm not an artistically creative person. Like I, I don't, I, I can't sit down and start painting. I can't draw. I, I, like, I don't make art i have a a decent musical ear and i love singing and I, I i know how to play a lot of instruments but i i'm i've written a couple of i've attempted to write a couple of songs in my life and i'm i'm not good at that and i've had people my whole life i've been surrounded by people who are really good at those things and there's this sense of like like everybody can cook Everybody can paint. Everybody can do these things. And like, I can't, um, I, I can't do a lot of those artistic things. And, and people are insistent on, on, on telling me like, no, you are creative. You have value. And it's like, like fours in their best, like when they are bringing their full self, they're able to say to people like me, you may not be good at painting but you are good at something and there is creativity let's highlight the way that 
you bring creativity into the world. Huh. Sure. So the exact thing that we're trying to do right now, if either one of us was a four, yeah. it would be so much better. <laughs> <laughs> They're exposing the the beauties in the person in front of them because they can see that naturally. Right. They have a gifting for that. Right. And the ways that like we don't see the, all of us are wired to see things in a certain way and fours want to say the entire spectrum of the world is beautiful for some reason yeah this is why fours are okay in their sadness is because there's value in pain or there can be value in pain yep and so fours are able to see like like for me it took me a really long time to figure out what ways i am creative if I spent more time with fours, they might have been able to draw that out of me faster. And that's something that, that fours can showcase. Fours can help other people see beauty and value in places where they couldn't see it before. Yeah. That's worthwhile, for sure. I don't, I've never put those together in my mind because it is the case that fours are commonly put forth as the artist. Mm -hmm. Here's the artist. But the one who can identify what's beautiful worthy and then speak that mm -hmm. over others mm -hmm. ah, who doesn't want that person in your life right telling you man let me tell you what's great about you right you know yeah um i bet a, i bet a four would make a fantastic job advisor yeah right yeah therapist yeah can sit with you in the pain and mm -hmm. say yeah yeah this this is this has value here mm -hmm. this is um i imagine fours who move who are real healthy force are going to move towards one. And so they're, they're able to sit in the pain, but then perhaps translate the pain into, well, how are we going to make this better mm -hmm. or something of that sort? Sure. I'm making things up. <laughs> um, it will not surprise you that there's lots of artists who are uh, fours in the, in the Riso Hudson book, yeah, among which are the artist formerly known as Prince. Oh, oh be still my heart. Oh. <laughs> Jeremy Irons, Bob Dylan, Thanks. Anne Rice, Sylvia Plath. Sylvia Plath was the one that stood out to me most there. Uh, very much sitting in the dark emotions mm -hmm. in uh, a lot of her writings. Yeah. Anne Rice. Taking up dark characters, making them beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Anything to say uh, about any of those? Uh, uh, Dylan's the one that stands out to me the most there. Yeah. Um, particularly because his art is not just unique and interesting and, and like pointing out beauty, but it's also prophetic. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, it's not just creating something great in the world, but also inspiring other people to see something true in, in such a big way that he's able to like the way that his work is showcased has been able to, to, point so many other people in a direction yeah all right so. yeah i love that yeah. um and a widely regarded bad singer 
So I had a debate about this. On talk about this because I, I was I got in, not in a fight, but I got in a, a, a back and forth with somebody about this. Sure. Yeah. So if you think about like really good vocalists, yeah, Bob Dylan does not make the list. Rolling Stone had him in the top twenty vocalists, which is crazy. Talk it's to crazy me. talk. <laughs> but if you think about the way that his work is its own thing, yeah. Nobody else in the world sounds like Bob Dylan. True. And people who are doing singing work like he is better have something else that they're bringing to the table or they will not have a career. And for some reason, Bob Dylan is able to have a lifelong career in the music industry writing and singing songs Yeah, because the work that he's doing is not about how he sings. Entirely right. Yeah. It's a terrible vocalist. Terrible <laughs> vocalist. <laughs> no, like, he was ahead of, like, Aretha Franklin. And I was just like, are you kidding? Wait. No, what? I'm totally serious. You got to look this list Stone. up. Stone. Come on. So, uh, as with the body triad, eights, nines, and ones being a Holy Spirit focused, like, reflecting the image of God and the Holy Spirit, it seems to me the two threes, fours in Christian theology reflect the, the heart of the 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 personality that is the father that comes across in the Bible. Um, you see this in the uh, stories Jesus tells, specifically a prodigal son. There's a character who is a father who's, who's both of his sons um, walk away from his home um, into a state of being lost. And that father doesn't let them remain in the darkness, but but runs out to them pursues them, seeks to draw them home. And you see that, I think, in these personality types. Mm-hmm. The, the, the image of God being holy, holy is a set-apartness mm-hmm. in that fourness. Like, I'm, I'm a four, I'm set apart, I'm mm-hmm. special in some way. Well, that actually reflects the heart of God. Right. God sees God's self as set apart. Or the praiseworthiness of God that can be exhibited in real healthy threes, um, that that gloriousness and obviously the pursuing love, all of those are reflected in in uh, in the trinitarian view of God as as a as that father personality. This is the heart of God, and those enneagram types reflect that into the world for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. It seems to me. Anyway, um, fives. If fives reflect the innovative wisdom and insight of God, what do they create for other people? Well, we um, we see some illumination of the path. We see uh, fives get to uh, shine a light on how things work. I like this word. There's a, a, a word a shaman associated with uh, really healthy fives. And really the, healthy, yeah. Yeah, and that sort of aspect of God that, that they bring... Uh, at their best, and and there's there's a sense of of helping other people see more clearly. Yep, that fives can do better than anyone else. Yeah, non judgmental side of mm. showcasing what's good. Where ones might ones and eights, it seems to me, are going to judge and be either aggressive or pushing towards here's how we get better. Mm-hmm. There's something about the the five as non-judgmental mm-hmm. sitting with you in the place yeah. and yet still directing. Yeah. That is different 
and brings its own quality of goodness. Right. Like sometimes you need the kick in the pants and sometimes you need somebody to sit there with you peacefully. Yeah. Just shaman-like. Yeah. Uh, I like that word. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's what stood out to me in terms of that personality. Go. Uh, I know a lot of people who do pros and cons lists. Yeah. Um, and like, like sometimes you need someone who's going to be clear about what all the pros are and what all the cons are. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the rest of us are going to bring our own subjectivity to that list. And fives aren't. Fives are going to say, here's here's the reality of what's good and here's the reality of what's bad. Yeah. And like, like I, I love that idea of, of being like, like objectivity is a really good word there. The push towards here's the data. Mm-hmm. And let me, let me, data doesn't have value judgments. Like facts are value free. Right. And so if the five elevates, here's what's real, judgments require emotion. And that, that can be real helpful to, be, to have the emotion-free presentation of here's what the world looks like. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you where you're, you are on that map. Right. And, and here's what the actual map looks like. Mm-hmm. You, you may not be able to see the map. I can see the map. Let me show it to you. When fives engage the world, mm-hmm. so help me out with this. There is the shaman-like posture of the five, but then fives at their best are going to reflect healthy eights. Mm-hmm. And there is a more self-confident, decisive side to the five. Mm-hmm. Do those go together or those, the, in my mind, they, those are very different types of people. Um, so I, I would request that you draw a distinction between in health and in security. Yeah. Because I think really healthy fives are going to be more shaman-like. And in places where they feel secure, they are able to step up and bring that eight energy. I think the, the, the eight yeah. thing there is much more circumstantial. Whereas the healthiness is not circumstantial. They find that they can step forward with boldness. Mm-hmm. In places where they need to lead. Yeah. But that's not always the the role that they need to take. Right. Shaman, traditionally in in like a a tribal type situation, shaman is not necessarily the leader, but when the tribe needs the shaman to do its thing, then the shaman is the leader. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Goes for... But the shaman is still always there. The, The ability... So... What's interesting to me on this front, and this is like on the other side of the circle for me, so this is just one of those things I deeply appreciate about fives. They have gone through fear. They've withdrawn. The way that they've handled their fear is to intellectually assess all the things to find some grounding. Mm -hmm. Finding grounding have moved back forward with insights and a map and, you know, are, are able to navigate. Mm-hmm. And that's not only for themselves. That is for the rest of us. Right. And if I sit at the feet of a five who's real healthy on that front and I can see the map, now let me tell you how the, how the things work. Mm-hmm. Ah, that That's a personality I'm super attracted to when, uh, especially folks who are more mature than I am or down the path a little bit further than I am, older than I am. Like I want to hear from them. Because that just gives me insight all day long. Mm-hmm. 
anyway, um, that's how I read fives. You yeah. see fives in that sense. Well, and there's there's that that sense of like like fives naturally withdraw and like that that ivory tower sort of image. But when fives have done that work and when they are able to bring that full self, like like it's it's the withdrawal is not automatic. Um, it, it, it's still the case that they're, they're not necessarily going to be the person who's always stepping forward, but they won't shrink back. Yeah. As a lot of the fives that I know have a tendency to shrink back when people come towards them and, and, and good, healthy work having done fives won't shrink back. Mm but that doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be the leader automatically that they'll, they'll be the type of person who is responsive and engaged and, and will help you see more clearly when you come to them. Yeah. So. They're going to move away from being de- detached. Fives will have a tendency to be detached mm-hmm. because they lack perhaps confidence. Uh, it's, that's part of it, but it's a big part of it is that innate awareness of their restrictions on energy. Yeah, there you go. Um, having done the work, getting called into service, being part of the community, mm-hmm. the, the, the healthy vibe that's self-confident and decisive is just a, a joy to be around and right. brings such value. Right. Anyway, so... Some five artists uh, in Riso and Hudson's book were uh, Charles Darwin, Stephen King, Tim Burton, Van Gogh, and Isaac Asimov. Yeah. Well, I haven't read any of his stuff, but I saw an uh, interview with him. Super interesting. Like in I the have, 60s, talking about the internet, sure, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have seen many, 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 many movies based on his one story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So this robots taking yeah. over everything? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what happens when AI becomes a thing? Yes. Yeah. Uh, We're all doomed. That's the answer. <laughs> We're all doomed. <laughs> Short answer. <laughs> Stephen King as a five. I love life on this. Like, fears all the things, is an intellectual dude, withdraws into his, his writer cubby. Mm-hmm. And just says, let me tell you what you need to be afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and just articulates all these fantastic stories. Mm-hmm. Well, and even thinking about his his public presence now, mm-hmm. like, for one, his book on writing is Masterpiece. the book. Like, if you were yep. aspiring to be a writer or yep. you were thinking about being a writer and maybe you don't even have any writing skills or, like me, you want to be a writer someday even though you know you probably <laughs> won't be and that's fine. Like... You need to get his book. Yeah. It's called On Writing, on and it is the book on writing. That in Bird by Bird. And this is Seriously. like just all, this is known by everyone. Yep. You just read Stephen King and yep. Anne Lamont, and yep. then you start writing, because yep. those those two will just... Butt in the chair and just start writing. <laughs> and so both of them are saying essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. You just sit down and you do it, and it's going to yeah. be hard, and some of it's going to suck, and you just sit down and you do it anyway. Yep. And like, so... As the person that you want to follow to, if you are going to be a writer, he is the perfect example of that. And the way that he is able to speak into the world now, like as a human being saying, look at the way the world works Mm -hmm. and look at 
that he has a lifetime of being a snarky old man (laughs) behind him. So that is certainly on the table. Um, but there's there's a there's a, a sense of like this is someone who knows how the world works and he wants other people to see that. Yeah. One of the things with King is he goes into his fears, mm-hmm. sees the world, here's what you should be terrified yep. of. Because it's not it's not all werewolves and vampires. Right. His most terrifying stuff is like the stand is a masterpiece mm-hmm. and it is about um, you know, it's an apocalyptic f- future. What do you call that? Uh, dystopian future. Mm-hmm. But it's entirely believable. Mm-hmm. The government has a super flu that gets out of the vial and it wipes out 98% of the people. Right. You know? And he not only envisions that, pictures it, says this could be a thing, so we need to be really careful. But then actually brings together, at the end of that book, there's all sorts of moral judgments and thoughts about what is humanity um, in the brain? It's shaman-like. Right, right. <laughs> there's, there's lessons to be learned there. And like, like thinking about the, the volume of his work, mm-hmm. you have stories like The Stand, you have stories like Green Mile, you have, yep. um, I could even go with like Dolores Claiborne and Misery, mm-hmm. like, like some of these books that are about real things, but also you have Cujo and Carrie and like... But the great thing about his work is that those some of those best stories that are about these sort of supernatural things, like needful things, mm-hmm. is a great example of this as well. Like he is able to use these entirely allegorical, not real situations to shine light on something that yeah. is very real. Yeah, there it is. It's Carrie a- is not a story about a witch. Yeah. Carrie is a story about someone who is wildly ostracized yeah. and the damage that can be done by treating a human being like that. Teenagers might bring firearms to school one day. Right. It's, it is what Carrie's exactly. about. Um, misery is about his uh, wrestling with cocaine addiction. Right. <laughs> it's this brutal nurse who is willing to chop off in the book that that woman chops off is the writer's foot and Mm -hmm. then carterizes the wound with a blowtorch. Right. (laughs) Just like, but he's trying to say, you know what addiction feels like? Right. This woman is in control Mm -hmm. of my life. Right. Right. Um, Sixes. Uh, If sixes reflect the unfailing loyalty of God, what are they creating for the rest of us? Well, we get to see, um, I think that unfailing word there is mm-hmm. is so we need to lean into that a little I, bit more. Exactly right. Yeah. The um the one of the things that is so unbelievably valuable about what sixes bring to the table is that that they at their best they are going to unite with and support something no matter what. Yep. They're they're going to, I my my spouse is a six and and um, I have been cheated on in my life. Uh, not by this partner, spouse, not but, by this spouse. Yeah. <laughs> but every relationship I've I had after I was cheated on, this was something that's in my head. Yeah, and 
the more and more I got to know my spouse, the more I know, I, I, I know in the deepest part of me that that is something that I will never have to worry about mm. with my spouse mm. because her sickness means that she cannot even comprehend doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean our relationship is perfect. That doesn't mean that, that there aren't other things that we will struggle with. But as a six, she will never betray me in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that that like sixes bring to everything that that they when they are healthy, they unite to organizations, to teams, to leaders, to to the things that they position themselves with, and they will support that thing no matter what. Yeah. There is something that we talked about uh, holy ideas last time, and that, that idea of holy strength seems to me that's a place where that really gets exemplified. Right. Is the loyalty in the public space and just saying, look, here is what I am committed to, mm-hmm. and there's an unmovability there. Right. Once, once, once the six has attached, mm-hmm. then... They're, they are the bulwark. They're, right. they're, they are a solidified part of, of that. And that if, imagine that that's the face of God towards you. Right. God is um, unequivocally devoted to you in that sort of unfailing way. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's important to know. Right. Um, and there, there is another side to this coin that I really want to make sure is is highlighted here is that being devoted to something means making sure that it succeeds, that it is good and valuable and worth being devoted to. Yes. As and, well. and that comes out in, of all things, the devil advocate voice. Right. You are so, reflecting God in your devil's advocacy. Yeah, yeah because <laughs> because the, the, the loyalty that the six brings means that they want the thing that they're attached to to be worth being loyal to. Yeah. yeah so yeah. they will push against the places where it is not living up to its fullest potential. Mm-hmm. They will draw out and they will they will find the weaknesses and try to shore up those weaknesses. So in the same way that God is unequivocally devoted to people, to you as an individual, God will be by your side no matter what. And also that means God wants you to be better. Yeah. And it's a both and. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Because like nobody wants the person beside them saying, you're in the gutter and just covered with muck. Mm -hmm. And maybe you should just stay there for another 20 years. Yeah. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that person in their life. Right. (laughs) I want the person who is beside me and encouraging me. This may need some help, yeah. some work, and I'm going to stand beside you. Yep. Because you're worth it. I'm going to crawl into the gutter with you, <laughs> and we're going to get out of it together. There is, ooh, come on. There's a, well, we'll come back to that. I'm going to crawl into the gutter with you because we need to, to summarize the five, six, seven-ness. Sure. Um, at some point here. Uh, the dependability 
of the six and knowing that about God. This is what is the six creates for the rest of us, mm-hmm. you know, um, creating that. I, I wanted to hit this creation image, and I don't feel like I've hit it with the numbers. But the more that we're talking, what's really going on there is, you know, the at least for me as a body type, I suppose, I know the feeling of this person in my life when we talk about each of these numbers. Mm-hmm. And knowing that feeling that this is the good thing they bring for to the table for me to see, for me to experience, it brings the colors into life. And if I take the next step and I say, this great good that I see in this other person is also an attribute of the divine that just colors reality for mm-hmm. me. I'm like, I can, I can see the God I love in these people. And that's a, and where else are you going to see the face of God? God's invisible. Right. Anyway, um, Springsteen apparently is okay. listed as a six. Great. Uh, Mel Gibson is a six. Jack Lemon makes more sense to me on this. Jack Lemon is a six. And I like this one. He has they have Tom Clancy as a six. Okay. And the reason I like this is it's again like Stephen King, where it's like, all right, where are all the things that could go really badly? Sure. And let me write about the political nature of this. Mm-hmm. There is a submarine you can't hear, and it can be parked off of Washington, DC. Yeah. What do you do about this? Yeah. And then you create this whole tale about it. Anyway. Um Six has got to be great horror writers. Like, what what should you be afraid of? Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're and writing yet. under a pseudonym, though, because they don't want the attention. <laughs> is that right? I not. That was ma- mainly made to be a joke, but, okay. but yes, <laughs> but, yeah, sixes but don't want the attention. They don't want to be, uh, they don't wanna be the one in charge. They don't want to be the one to get, to get the glory. Yeah, you have to go up and get the award is not going to be something right. that this is This motivates. is like that. I'm, that sort of unfailing loyalty is yeah. like they don't want to be the one that gets the attention. They want to support the person who gets the attention. <laughs> so here, <laughs> have you ever been at the karaoke bar? Yes. And then you pick the song. Yes. And then you, you didn't realize you didn't know the words to the song. I have no no, because that's not something I would do. <laughs> this is routinely what happens to me. I don't pay attention to songs enough. Um, got up. It was. It's, it's not a karaoke bar, but I was at this party where there was a karaoke machine. Sure. And the only song that seemed good at all was Springsteen's "Born in the USA." No. And like no. one verse into it, I'm like, nope. "Oh crap! Mm. This is about Vietnam." Nope. nope, nope. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nope. It was real. It was. It was a terrible uh, rendition <laughs> of the song. And and I, if if Bruce if, if Bruce is listening, I apologize for just messing that up for you. But. I'm sure you were one of many, many people who have messed up <laughs> Born in the USA as a karaoke song. <laughs> Start singing this. There's something about the, the the music there, you were kind of saying it, is uh, longing for the thing that you believe in and trust in to be better. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that would be maybe case in point if you're familiar right. with this chart. Um, it's just very much going into the the ugliness of Vietnam War and the Vietnam experience for soldiers who are there and coming back home and saying, we can do better than this. Right. But not like still the chorus of that song Mm -hmm. is celebratory about, yep. I'm born in the USA and this is something to be celebrated. Let's make sure it is something to be celebrated. There it is. Yeah. Identity. 
Yeah. Of all things, Reagan like used that on a, on the campaign. Right. I, don't know, I don't know that the chorus is being used at all. Sure, but it's that's how celebratory it is. I right. mean, in terms of, um, yeah, good. Brings us to the sevens. The sevens, if sevens reflect the joy and creative spirit of God, what are they bringing to others? Well, you get. Uh, we talked about this before. Uh, you get. You get a priest. And sevens have done now, the work. Joy yeah. and priest don't go together in most people's minds, I imagine. Well, that's because they, had a really they, great they have a really bad picture of priests. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, is fair. Reconcile, reconcile that for us. Yeah. So um, the role of a priest is to highlight the spaces where heaven and earth meet. And so when you have someone who has done the work, who has spent the time and bringing their full self into the world, you have someone who is saying, look at the places where heaven and earth meet. Yeah. And this, wow. like... That's a good, that's a great image. If, if God is the things that we want to believe about God, then those places can only be places of joy. Yep. So. That's good. Images, the the artist list um, goes down that path in my mind. Um, Riso and Hudson have Robin Williams, uh, who we talk about a lot, but mm -hmm. have Mozart as a mm -hmm. seven, have Spielberg as a seven, have um, Tom Wolfe as a seven, have uh, I, not an artist, but artist in a different kind of way is John F. Kennedy. And I only mention that because we we started with Martin Luther King Jr. as an orator. Mm -hmm. Kennedy is a artist on this front yeah, in my absolutely. mind. We we went to Washington D.C. two years ago, walking around, and one of the things you don't realize about D.C. unless you're there is how many quotes are on all the walls. Sure, there are. You are surrounded by principles of how things ought to be. Right. Routinely, the ones that pop most for me were ones from Kennedy. Um, the, you know, the performing arts complex there in the city is named after Kennedy, mm -hmm. um, at Arlington. There's a, there's a gorgeous, um, his burial site is there and lots of quotes that allow you to look over the city and read these quotes, mm -hmm. but they are exactly that. It's, there is the earth, mm -hmm. there is heaven. And when those overlap, this is what it looks like right. kinds of stuff. And he says, he says stuff about the arts. He says stuff about the country says stuff about human life itself, and yeah, and you just have there. There's a there's a place there that's holy. It's mm -hmm. good anyway. Well, there's a um, like thinking about like I'm I wasn't a great history student, but thinking about what I do know about Kennedy's tenure as president, like they, it may not be the case that he'll ever be remembered for his his polity like it, it may be the case that like like people don't remember the things that he did as an executive but yeah. as a visionary That's what as someone who is highlighting what america could be mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. this is something that he will always be remembered for like let's go to the moon yep let's like america can be so many things and let's get there together. Yeah, like this no, is yeah. disarmament yep. of nuclear weapons is is really a big push. He's the first one that really starts pushing towards we need to get rid of 
these weapons that could eliminate our species. Right. Um, the, I mean, the, the sort of stuff that, that he does that really needs to come back around with the, um, like AmeriCorps, that's not right, but uh, wait, what is that stuff called? It's service. It's like devoted a couple of years of service to, can't remember it, dang it. The idea was something like, you know, we're sending young men like himself. He goes mm -hmm. off to World War II, comes back. He's like, we need to send out people who are building up the world, who are who are the face of America. Mm -hmm. He essentially sends out evangelists right. is what he does, like another seven. But the there's <laughs> he sends out folks who will go into other countries as ambassadors for democracy. Mm -hmm. What is that called? It's um, Peace Corps. Ah, sure. Peace Corps. Everyone who was kind of that boomer generation when Kennedy was was there, there was something about how Kennedy led young people at that time. Prior to Vietnam, he's creating Peace Corps. We're going to go to the moon. We're going to we're going to get rid of nuclear weapons. Vision, mm -hmm. solid uh, on that front in yeah. terms of like we're going to we're going to make things more down here like they are up there. Mm -hmm. So that's the priestly role. Yeah. Um, Spielberg, the hopeful side in his movies end up being mm -hmm. that in terms of the art, the artistically, the, the joy that comes forth in film, like it is obviously the career of the blockbuster in some ways mm -hmm. because, because he wants an experience for his audience of the adventure. He's going to take you on an adventure. Right. And that's, I mean, that's what real healthy sevens will do for the rest of us. Mm -hmm. Like, where are we going? It's like, we're going to go some fun places where heaven and earth overlap. And highlighting, like, he, he highlights heroes in a really interesting way. Yeah, talk about that. Well, just, um, like, thinking about this sort of heroism ex exhibited in his films, it's not really, really supernaturally strong people doing heroic, mm. quote unquote, heroic acts. Yeah. It's not, it's not people with superpowers. It's not, um, like it's normal people doing something that the situation calls for something outside of their wheelhouse. Yeah. And, and then moving into places where they can be better, where they can do something heroic without needing super strength. Is that a, so the seven is creating the impression that that's a, that can be true of you? Yeah, like it's, it's a, it's a visionary. Oh, it's, there's the, it's like there a, it is, an, yeah. an idealism of like, like you can be better. Yeah. You, you can be a hero. Yeah. Let me show you this guy who's afraid of the ocean, but he goes and he fights the shark. Right. Let me show you this archaeologist just teaches, and yet he goes and he saves humanity from Nazi rule. Right. Through these ancient artifacts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. Normal people. Yeah. Schindler. Oscar yeah. Schindler is a normal person. He's a businessman. He's yeah. in a country and very self-serving individual mm -hmm. who changes. Yeah. Boom. Love that. You can relate to the hero. Right. And that's valuable. Right. And there it is. The vision, the, the seven for the rest of us is creating a vision of this could be you. Right. And that, and we need to hear that. Right. That I could be part of that adventure too. Right. Boom. Uh, just to do the full circle, uh, five, six, and sevens seem to me to, to represent the face of God in Christian theology as the son of God. Um, there is again, the shaman, the faithful one, uh, the priest, these are all descriptions of, of Jesus. 
And the, the embodiment of the mind of God is something that is all over Christian theology, especially the, the gospel of John is in the beginning was the word. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a, there's a head center going on. Uh, we might say with, there's an overlap there. Um, and when talking about how God is reflected in the rest of us, um, it's not only the case that we see God in five, sixes, and sevens in Christian theology. It's the you know God looks like Jesus, and so this in, in my mind the sevenness of Jesus ends up being part of Jesus. The incarnation of God is actually being embodied in a flesh and blood person who has a type, and there's something to be said there if we go down this road, which which is. I think I'm the only one that holds this view, but I'm going to stand by it because <laughs> I'm a one and I'm right. And there is something about saying, um, I see God in this person, this flesh and blood person in a unique way, and that's a great good. Mm-hmm. But to take the next step and say, and I can see God in other people is actually super healthy to me um, that we are all made to be ref- refractors um, reflections of the living God to each other. And that's how we learn more about the divine. That's mm-hmm. how we grow as human beings. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're called to as our best selves is, man, if I can be an image bearer, man, that, that's, that is the creation story. Right. Anyway, final thoughts on, uh, on our list. I think there's, we talked about this and I said this at the beginning that like there's, there's clear through lines from, from the things that are normal traits to these sort of creation traits about about each type, um, and like like even at our even when we're unhealthy, we still bring these things to the world. But if you spend the energy working on becoming a more healthy person, these are things that you get to showcase in ways that other people can't, and and. There's, there's there's so much beauty about who you are and what you uniquely can bring to the world. And this is this is a good way to view that. So. That's where I go with with health as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just there is there's such value in knowing who you are. You can't I, I might go so far as to say something like you can't be a good person if you don't know not only who you are, but what you're made to be. Right. Like that's, that's just part of you being a good person mm-hmm. is finding the unique thing that you're, you're made for. Yeah. Um, I use this illustration when, when TJ and I do uh, conferences, but, but uh, like five years ago in the NFL, the least athletic person on the field dominated the league, and his name was Peyton Manning. And he can't run fast, and he can't jump high. I don't even know if he can jump. Um, he is just not a physical threat, mm-hmm. and he does one thing well. Mm-hmm. He knows how to read defenses and throw a ball because he knows who he is and what he's not. He's able to, to thrive in one of the most competitive environments there are. Mm-hmm. And so too you and me. You yeah. know who you are. You know what you do well. You know what you bring to the life of others. Man, that is just gold yeah. all day long. Um, so this is wrapping up our discussion of health. Yep. Um, I imagine we'll return to this subject. We've said this a couple times that there's these are these are deep waters for us yeah. to drink from, and uh, I imagine that we'll return to them. So, uh, what are we talking about next week? What are we? Ta- I have no idea. It is time to go. To a galaxy oh, yes. far, far away. Yes. 
Yeah. Long sorry. Long time ago. Are we are we doing that next week already? Dude, two weeks from now. Okay. So Good. it begins. Yes. Pretty excited about I that. And a lot of movies to watch. A lot and of rewatch and rewatch and rewatch. We are able to do the Star Wars because we had a handful of folks who uh, supported us on the Patreon. Yeah. Thank we- you. Thank you. Thank you. And so we're going to do the deep dive into the Star Wars. And we are halfway to getting the money for uh, for the Harry Potters. Yep. So I am anticipating that that's going to come through. And so I started the books last night. Yes. So we're going to do Star Wars in December, and we would hope to uh, raise enough money to do uh, Harry Potter next summer. Um, we might talk about politicians. I saw a guy, there's a guy from the Washington Post who tweeted out something on just uh, all the Democratic uh, frontrunners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you want to see my thoughts on uh, the Democratic nominees, uh, it's on the Twitter as well. Yeah. It was kind of fun yeah. just to kind of say, oh, there's, here's some folks. Yeah. Um, and we'll probably continue, you know, just to try and put some flesh on the, the ideas that we're, we're talking about here with uh, people in pop culture, which I find really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, we have started posting our lists on Instagram and on Twitter at Around the Circle Podcast. Uh, the best thing that you can do to keep these shows going is to take two seconds right now and share this episode with somebody that you love. Uh, subscribing always helps. Uh, but posting it on social media or emailing it, texting it to a friend is a huge encouragement to us and really helps us get the word out. We are booked through 2019, but are setting up events in 2020. Uh, we do one day and two day events for 250 people or leadership teams up to 20. And we would love to hear from you on that front if you are interested. Uh, he's TJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. My name's Jeff Cook. Remember who you aren't isn't interesting. Be who you are and you're going to set the world on fire. Morning will come burning. <laughs>